want to welcome everyone here today to the funeral service for Anna Shumling. The family appreciates you being here with them. We'll begin our worship having you stand to sing number 44. How great thou art.
please be seated. This time I'll read the obituary for Anna Dolores Shumling, age 89, Pollock, passed away Wednesday, January 17, at Billings Clinic Hospital in Billings, Montana. Anna Reichman Shumling was born March 20, 1934, to Carl and Rena Plegemeyer Reichman on a farm near Westfield, North Dakota. She thought her grandmother delivered her, not sure of which one. She was the fourth of eight children. She married Leslie Shumling in Westfield in July of 1952. They did some traveling from Washington State to Deadwood, South Dakota before settling in Mobridge to raise her growing family. During her years in Mobridge, she drove taxi, worked at the plastic factory until they closed in J.C. Penney. After Les was transferred to MDU in Ellendale, North Dakota, she worked a short time at a care center before another transfer to Bismarck. While in Bismarck, she again went to work for J.C. Penney, where she eventually retired. Les and Anna divorced in the 1980s. Anna married Aynard Berg in Bismarck. They loved to travel by motorhome throughout the United States. After Aynard's death, she wintered in Texas for a few years, and then Mesa for the last 20 years with her fiance, Ed Klott. Anna is preceded in death by Leslie, Aynard, and Ed, and also her parents, sister Dorothy Heisinga, brothers Elmer, Willis, Eddie, Carl Edward, twins Gerald, Gerald and Geraldine, sister Angeline, baby died at birth, son Leslie, Mike, daughter Bonnie, daughter Bonnie, and first grandchild Tracy. She was also preceded in death by special son-in-law, Lester Costers. Anna survived by her sister, Luella Ritter, daughters, Cindy Sandmeyer, Janet Costers, Jackie Bob Vetch, and son, Kenny Shumling, grandchildren, Sean, Tim, Jim, Michael, Tony, Tina, Travis, Terry, BJ, Anna, Matthew, Cheryl, Mike, Brian, and Jason, and many great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren. We extend our sympathy to the children, the grandchildren, all family and relatives grieving the loss of Anna. After the service, uh, you're all invited to join the family for lunch and fellowship in the Cedar Fellowship Hall, which is in the basement of the church. We thank the ladies who have prepared the meal today. And after the meal is finished, uh, at a certain point, we'll be leaving for the cemetery. Let us worship God. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of, our, of the Lord blows on them. 
Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I am the resurrection and the life, said the Lord. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. None of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Our Lord said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Brothers and sisters, we believe that all the ties of family, friendship, and affection which knit us together throughout our lives do not unravel in death. Confident of God's love, even in the face of death, we are called to pray together. O oh Lord, the death of our sister Anna reminds us of our frail human condition and the brevity of our lives on this earth Yet for those who are in the embrace of your love and Jesus Christ our Lord, death is not the end, nor can it destroy the bonds that bind us to you and to each other. Help us to share that faith together, even through our tears and sadness. Bring the light of Christ's resurrection to shine on this time of grief and pain. Bless the memories, fill our hearts with gratitude, for how Anna touched our lives, so that in this hour we might give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Jerome and Derry will bring special music at this time. Why it 
understanding all by and by when death has come and taken our loved ones it leaves our home so from the Old Testament, a psalm, Psalm 139, which speaks of God's care for his people, and David would have us meditate on that in the words that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write for us. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. 
If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And then a short reading from the book of Lamentations, a five chapter book written by Jeremiah, where he grieves over the city of Jerusalem, a city where he preached for years and a city that wouldn't listen to the message God had sent. And so in his weeping, he writes these words, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I'd hoped from the Lord. I remembered my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your care. The psalmist David would have us reflect on the fact that you know us so well. You, you know what we're gonna say before the thought comes into our heads. Uh, Lord, you know when we sit and we rise, you know our small, the smallest detail of our lives. And we pray, Lord, that we would have this view of who you are, that you are a God with no limitations. The darkness isn't dark to you. And we know, Lord, that you have stated in the psalm that the days ordained for us were written in your book before one of them even came to be. Lord, we are thankful that you are a compassionate God, that you are a faithful God. As Jeremiah wrote for us, even in the midst of, of grief and sadness, that we can have good cheer from the thought that you are a portion, that you are good to those who hope in you, who seek you. And Lord, you've been doing this since the 
first days that you cared for your people, we, we ask, Lord, that as you have revealed yourself and the person and work of Jesus Christ, who came down from heaven, who was made flesh and dwelt for a, a while among us, we ask, Lord, that we would have our hope in him, that we would realize that there's more than this life, that we would be part of the praise of your whole church on earth and later in the company of heaven. Lord, you understand grief, and your word has much to say about grief. And we know that our Lord Jesus felt the pain of sorrow when he wept with Mary and Martha the death of Lazarus. We see the heavens darken when your son, your only son, died upon the cross. Comfort us with the knowledge that Jesus raised his friend and will raise all who hear his voice, for he has destroyed the darkness of death. When you raised him to the light of Easter morning, we pray that also, Lord, for ourselves. And Lord, in the Psalms, we read that you are close to the brokenhearted. You save those who are crushed in spirit. And so help us to grieve like believers who know that separation is only for a season. Lord, you are the God of all consolation, our refuge and strength in sorrow. And we ask for your comfort to be given to all family members in this time of grief and all the transitions and the days ahead. You would comfort also neighbors and friends feeling lost at this time. Help us to find your grace sufficient for our distress. Lord, we give you thanks for all your servants who, having lived this life in faith, now live eternally with you. Especially we thank you for Anna, for the gift of her life, for the grace you have given her, for all in her that was good and kind and faithful, for all good memories of family and friends. We give you praise. We thank you for a promised heavenly home, an eternal city prepared for your people. And so, Lord, give us faith to look beyond touch and sight and seeing that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, enable, to run with enable us to run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, grant us faith to look forward to a glad reunion in the life to come, and bring us at last to your eternal peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We'll ask our singers to return for another a special number. Cabin in the corner of Glory Land. 
In the shade of the tree of life that it may ever stand Where I can just hear the angels sing and shake Jesus' hand Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land Blessed Lord, I'm not asking to live in the midst For I know I'm not worthy of splendor such as this But I'm asking for mercy while humbly I stand Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. Yes, build me just a cabin in the corner of glory land. In the shade of the tree of life that it may ever stand. Where I can just hear the angels sing and shake Jesus' hand. Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. I have many dear loved ones who have gone on this way. On that great final morning, I shall hear them say, Come and join in our singing and play in our band. Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. Yes, build me just a cabin in the corner of glory land. In the shade of the tree of life that it may ever stand Where I can just hear the angels sing and shake Jesus' hand Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land Where I can just hear the angels sing and shake Jesus' hand Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. Thank you, Jerome and Derry. Our readings uh, from the New Testament come first from the gospel. The words of our Lord from John 14. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then from Romans chapter 8, we read these words. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 
Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches the mind of the Spirit, because he who, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, you teach us in the word that natural man does not receive the things of God. So we pray that your spirit would come and that the light of the gospel would shine in our hearts that we would be able indeed to live in the sunshine. Today, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us the word that we need and that the preaching would be faithful, that Christ would be lifted up, that we would have hope. We pray in his name. Amen. Over the years, I knew who Anna was, but my time to talk with her was limited. I recall her working as a shoe salesperson in Bismarck Pennies years ago, and in recent years, uh, she attended worship services at the Reformed Church in Strasbourg, where I usually preach on Sunday morning. Uh, but as soon as I'm done preaching there, 
I have to scramble and, and uh, get to Pollock. And so I spend very little time there after worship. And so recently she moved to Pollock and joined the church here along with her two daughters in town, uh, which was a, a real blessing to all of us. And when I asked her daughters what they wanted to have me mention regarding their mother, they remembered her as a person who lived to take care of others. And scripture tells us that all the good things we receive come from God, and all the good traits in our life come from him. And as we think about giving care, we see that God is the ultimate caregiver. The Lord Jesus commands us to look at the birds and marvel at how God provides for them every day. Uh, we can look at Anna's life and marvel at how God gave her almost 90 years of life. I think about that, um, seems almost too much to hope for, uh, for most of us. And this is what the Lord gave her. My wife often marveled this past summer as Anna would walk past the church and the parsonage from her apartment down the block and walk west to the school and back home again. And she would say, she's almost 90 years old and making a, a trip like that. But when you're a parent, you do your best to watch over your children. A three-month-old baby has awareness that mother cares for her, but does not understand the choices that mother is making. And sometimes we look at the problems in our world. Uh, we see war, we see heartaches of all kinds and disappointments, sickness and death. And we can't understand what God is doing. And in fact, that's a line I've said a number of times these past years, in recent years. I don't, I don't get what God is doing. And we can even come up with a question. You know, how can a good God allow bad things to happen? When I brought up my question of not being able to understand what God is doing, it was often with things that were happening good and amazing in, in the church. But you can turn around the other way too. How can a good God allow bad things to happen? And God answers that question. And in, in the first pages of the Bible, that God made man good. He made him upright. That God created man and woman to serve him. Augustine says, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and you give us no rest until we rest in you. And so at the beginning, we read that man was created good. But then, if you know the story, and I think most of you do, and if not, you need to read it. It's in the first three chapters of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, that our first parents disobeyed God. They were told uh, not to do something that would have indicated their loyalty, uh, but they followed the advice, the counsel of the serpent, the devil, and they decided to disobey what God had said. And then sin entered the world, and Paul wrote that when sin entered the world, death came into the world. And God said to our first parents, as a result of their disobedience, there would be pain, suffering, and death. And he said to them, dust you are, and to dust you will return. As children of Adam and Eve, death eventually comes for us all. 
But God did not leave our first parents in a hopeless situation. He promised them a redeemer who would be bringing about their salvation. And that's the same promise that we have today. Uh, We don't have to live without God. In fact, that's not what the Lord wants for us. The good news is that God has sent his son into the world to address our problems, including sickness and death. God has sent his son into the world to bring about our salvation. I I can't tell you the whole story today. I can only give you a brief summary. But you can read the story in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. You can learn the story by worshiping God on Sunday and hearing his word week after week. It takes a lifetime to find out the whole story. But there's even more to the story than we can know uh, reading the Gospels. All the scriptures teach us about God. And the Bible warns us about using our imagination and thinking that we have an accurate understanding of who God is. Because God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So if you want to know who God is, you have to read the word, understand what he's revealed about himself and about us. And if we really knew the God of the Bible, we would know that he's good. He's good all the time. That he's completely holy, separate from sin. In fact, so different from us, we'd be very uncomfortable in his presence without getting cleaned up. And he's full of compassion. And he's, he has boundless love. He is, the, the scripture said, God is love. In fact, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So the fault doesn't lie with him. Uh, the fault lies with us. And the Bible deals with our sufferings. In Romans chapter 8, in the reading we had today, Paul faces this head on. He talks about the whole creation groaning as a woman in childbirth. He talks about our present sufferings. And Paul in his ministry went through a lot of suffering. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with the sufferings that are part of life today? We look to the Lord and we pray, Father. Here in our reading, he used the um, Aramaic, the intimate word would probably be like daddy. He uses the word father. This is how we're to address God. He's not the man upstairs, but because of faith in Jesus Christ, we're called to look to him as our perfect father in heaven. And Paul said, in that experience of receiving Christ, you received a spirit, the Holy Spirit, which he calls the spirit of sonship. The spirit that tells you that you're a child of God. And so as God's children, we pray to God as our father. Our present sufferings, Paul said, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So this is a 
a suffering which is only for this life, but the life to come is way more wonderful in comparison. And so even though bad things happen, and they certainly do, God somehow works it out for the good of his people. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we're told that all, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And, and that's hard to understand at times, but we hold on to it by faith. Uh, that even if bad things are happen, happening from our point of view, it's not that God doesn't love us. Uh, he loves us and he cares for us in the midst of suffering. And Paul says this about prayers and, and our expectation of God. He said, if God is for us, if you think about that, well, what could be against us? Who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. In other words, if God would give up his son, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. If God would do that, won't he give us all the things that we need? Uh, eternal life through his son. So we're challenged here to have this belief that comes from the Bible. It's not something we could have come up with common sense, but it's what comes from God is his revelation. And Paul considers this situation where we face death all day long in our suffering. Well, he says, will God ever quit loving us? He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, present or the future, powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what, if you belong to Christ, he will continue to love you and care for you. And the ultimate way of caring for us is to give us his son. Jesus, as he is about to leave and his disciples are feeling the grief that would come from his life being offered on the cross. Jesus comforted them with the words, you believe in God, believe also in me. It's not, not, not enough to say, oh yeah, I believe in God. We're called to put our faith in his son. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way to the Father. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you. How did he prepare that place? He prepared that place by dying on the cross for our sins because our sins needed to be dealt with. We need to have God say to you, I forgive you because of the sacrifice of my son. Now, some people don't believe that. They, they're going to stand before God the way they are. They're going to stand before God without any, any hope in, in his promises they're going to stand before God without a Savior, and it's not going to go well because God promises to punish sin. He punished sin on the cross for all who would believe in Jesus. And for all who believe in Jesus, he says, your sins are forgiven, and you have a great future ahead. You have a place in the Father's house. 
a place where you belong and you are, will be part of a holy city where there will be nothing unclean, there will be no sorrow, there will be no death. And so there's the difference between faith and unbelief. If we have this trust in Jesus, it'll show up in our decisions and our attitude and in, in the choices we make. Uh, people will see whether we're people of faith and we'll know it ourselves. Uh, we'll have uh, the assurance coming to us from the Holy Spirit that we are God's children because to all who received him, to all who received Jesus, he gave the right to become the children of God. Let's pray. Lord, you, you pray, you, we know we can pray to you because you care for your children. Uh, your care is just more than we can hardly take in. You know us so well, you, no matter where we go, uh, in life and in death, uh, you care for us. And in, in our experience, Lord, of living now, you call us to have, have trust in your son, to, to believe in him, uh, to follow after him. Uh, we pray, Lord, for comfort now as we go to the cemetery. Uh, we pray, Lord, for uh, comfort from conversation around the table. Uh, we pray that you would bless the food that's been prepared. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would feed us spiritually also, that we would not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. And so, God, we pray your peace upon your people. In Jesus' name, amen. This time we'll have you turn to Amazing Grace, number 460, we'll have for our recessional hymn, and right after the service today, after the family uh, goes out to the hearse and then returns, we will have the, uh, the meal that's been prepared. 460, please stand. <laughs> 